We'd like to welcome you to another evening with the Jones Underground podcast. My name is Afian Jones. We have a very special uh, permanent guest, I guess we'll call her. <laughs> you want to use your whole name or you want to use something else? What you want to use? What are we going by? Share. All right. <laughs> so we got a few topics we're discussing tonight. Um, one is sports is starting to make a comeback. We're going to be talking about the NBA bubble, the playoffs, and what that means. What that means for everyone, uh, the NBA coming back and certain players are having second thoughts. Um, the return of boxing came back. We had um, Shakira Stevenson uh, putting it on someone, seven round, six, seven round knockout with a body shot, and they're comparing him to Floyd Mayweather. Is he the next best thing in boxing? Uh, NASCAR uh, banning the Confederate flag and the reaction that we're getting from that and also um, what are we doing with a lot of the Confederate monuments that are still hanging around certain parts of the South but first we want to get into the uh, the comeback of the NBA a lot of players are voicing their concern playing in the Bubble of Orlando, Florida, and the Disney Worldwide Sports Complex, and um, just want to get into, you know, is the season really that important? Is basketball that essential? Do we really need to come back and have a, you know, championship? You know, me being a Laker fan, um, I think oh. that <laughs> I think that we need oh. to come back and, and make that happen. You know. Uh, I don't care if half the world's sick if we put another banner up, I guess, but... I, personally, I am a fan of LeBron James, so I feel that it is essential. I think it needs to come back. You know, I, I'm i not a Lakers fan, but there are some people that I am wanting to see back in action, so I think it should come back. I look at it in two ways. Number one, if they can come back you got to look at it. The owners lost a lot of money when they shut the season down. So in a sense, by having a season that you come back and you play, it kind of gets some of that money back, gets some of that TV revenue back. It gets these players uh, some action as well. But the second thing, it's a lot going on in the world right now. And then with the whole um, Black Lives Matter movement and everything else, is do we really need something to take our eyes off of change? I think yeah, we, the, we. I think the strength of the movement is because there's no sports really being played. No, I think that I, I don't think that sports is going to affect keeping our eyes on what matters. I think sports is a good way of escaping from what's going on because Believe it or not, everybody is just like the news. Nobody wants to see gloom and doom every single day. So you need something that's a distracting. You need something that's going to peak the, the, the better half of you. So personally, I feel like it's necessary to keep to weed out some of that negativity because it's a lot of negativity that's coming with change. So personally, I say bring it. Let's, let's do it. Well... On that, I can say as long as the athletes, you know, which a lot of them are supporting the movement, 
a lot of athletes are using their voice in the political arena now. And, you know, back in the day, 2016, when an athlete spoke out of turn on something political, like the abuse of police, they were, you know, basically blackballed out of a league or LeBron James was famously told to shut up and dribble. And a lot of athletes, while, you know, responded by just staying quiet, and I'm glad that a lot of them are not staying quiet right now, but once again, we, a lot of the owners and everything else in these sports leagues have stayed majority silent. So it's, you know, we'll, mm-hmm. if, if sports can bring back another platform to further this movement, then I'm for it, you know? But you got to think about it. Basketball in itself is not America's game. Football is America's sport. That's America's sport. Most Americans, they can, they can take a leave basketball, but everybody is 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 vested in football. So, but hey, if if NBA doesn't come back, I think it'd be highly offensive to everybody if the NFL doesn't. Well, my whole thing about that is this: so football is American sport. That's football what they say. was the first sport that pro, the, somebody protested in football and look what happened to him. Yeah, we not know. only that, look at all the other players that protested with him. They became, yeah. they got targeted, they got traded, they got moved out of teams. We have a whole situation, a whole movement going on. Like, like yeah. the NFL is scared to death that when they start playing games, everybody's going to be kneeling. Okay. And you got to understand that, yeah, that's American sport, but we are in a very polarized political climate right now. You know, especially during an election year and with, you know, COVID cases coming back, it's, it's very uncertain right now. So I would love sports to come back, but I still think that, you know, we got a lot of Americans that ain't working. We got a whole lot of other situations going on where, you know, yeah, sports would be a welcome distraction from that. But I just think that it's some of the more important things that we need to keep our eyes on as sports begins to return. Well, I could play devil's advocate and, and also say that, think about it. I mean, contact sports, you know, people are still concerned about COVID. It's, with all this unrest going on, people have gotten away from that a little bit. They have. A lot of people aren't really thinking so much about social distancing. So in the sense of protecting even the players, you know, and the people that want to come and see these games. Yeah, in that case, you you do want to say, put a pause on these for right now. Yeah. And let's handle what's more important. And even with them being played in the bubble, we're seeing COVID cases kind of starting to rise. So it's one of those things where I just think we just need to be a little more, a a little careful with it. Cautious, yeah. Yeah. So in, in other news, we had a return to boxing and you know, my listeners know that I'm a hardcore fan of boxing. Um, yeah. So we had my man Secure Stevenson, all 130 pounds of him, looking like um, baby Sugar Ray Leonard out there. And um, and uh, I've never seen this much hype on somebody who's got 14 and 0. Like, I remember when my man Keith Thurman was 25 and 0. He didn't have the hype this dude got at 14 and 0. And they say my man can come up and he want to fight from 126 to 130. He want to look at bigger fights. He want to fight these bigger names. But I'm looking at him. If I'm seeing this dude who's killing guys at 14 and 0, 
He's 14 and 0. Why am I got, you know, 25, 30 fights in my resume go fight this kid who seems to be terminating everybody he get in the ring with? It's like, no, let him go to 25. Let him go to 20 and 0. Let him go to 25 and 0. For me to fight, for me as a more veteran polished boxer, for me to put my record on the line with somebody that young, look, it's got to be either a lot of money on the line. Whether money talks. Or it's got to be a lot of money on the line. or Because that fight that we saw on Wednesday, we saw this young man adjust his style. He was hitting dude in the head. Dude was hitting back. Okay, dude adjust and started going to the body. And you just saw him fold that guy like an Italian wallet. Like, he just folded in the middle of the room. And I was like, if this dude could hit that hard with his left hand, and I know he's a southpaw, so it's even worse when, you know, you fight somebody conventional. But the way he had dude folded over, over his left hand. You know, I know they're talking about this, you know, him being having such a bright future. But we live in an age where a lot of these top name boxers they ain't really trying to fight each other. <laughs> Earl Spence, where you at? Oh, uh, they in hiding. <laughs> nah. Well, not not Tyson. He, he's, nah, he's coming back. Nah, 50 years old, yeah. But I'm talking about these lightweights. Yeah. These little guys like, you know, Manny Pacquiao still taking fights. You got Sean Porter taking fights, but then where's, where's Keith Thurman? We ain't seen him since Pacquiao handled him. Whereas, uh, you know, I know Earl Spence coming back from a fight more power. Won't nobody fight Jamal Crawford after what he did in his last fight. So, we're just looking at this young man is talking some good game, looking like he's a polished fighter, but I don't see who's going to be fighting him. I don't see none of these big names trying to come in the ring to fight him. I see a lot of hungry up-and-comers like, they gonna prove that he ain't about that hype, which at fourteen and oh, it's a lot of hype on this dude at fourteen and oh. He got a little ways to go before we start calling him the next Floyd Mayweather, or the next Sugar Ray Leonard, or the next whatever great boxer we be bringing up. He got a ways to go. He's an awesome fighter. He did an awesome job against the competition, but let this little guy grow up, man. Let this guy be him. How old is he? 23 years old. Ah. <laughs> He's a baby, yeah. man. Yeah. But his camp, his camp has got Andre Ward and uh, he got some hip-hop dudes in his camp. He got a lot of people backing him. Um, next up, we had NASCAR banning the Confederate flag at their properties and events. Man. Um, I don't even watch NASCAR, but great. I was, I used to be so excited to be like, man, I just, I would love to get into watching these cars drive around in this circle, but that, that occasional Confederate flag I saw just, you know, turned me off to uh-huh. everything they was doing. Uh-huh. Right. I, I can't, I, I, I never got into it personally, but I still, I mean, there, there's a black driver, which was shocking you know to me that they you know i didn't know many black drivers were driving nascar even with that confederate flag being there you know it took a lot of strength to ignore that every time you get on the you know on the track but the fact that they took that down you know 
uh, standing with him against that, you know, against racism and 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 whatnot. I think it was great, you know. I, but I'm still not into NASCAR. So you know, when you look up and you see police cars in every major city that's on fire, and you start realizing that all the black people are upset. And I guess you start having to realize that, man, maybe us in our situation didn't understand that our sport may be not attracting black race fans because half the people that operate in our sport are kind of on races. We're kind of, you know, doing things that make us appear that we don't welcome black folks. So anytime that we can look in the situation and say that, hey, you know, we shouldn't have this flag flying, well, let's take it a step further about the monuments. Let's go to the schools. Maybe we should take this off state property, uh, take this off the um, state capitals in the South, take it off of the state universities. I mean, that should be, that should be common knowledge. Like, it, obviously it is offensive. I, I think, I think for somebody to put the flag up, you know what you're doing when you do it. I mean, I don't think that anybody puts it up saying, oh, I didn't know. I think you know what you're doing. And same thing as far as the, you know, monuments and things all across America, because it's, it's everywhere. You know, they knew what they were doing when they put it up. So me as, I try to be the more calmer since, you know, with everything going on. I try to be calm about it. But the truth of the matter is, yeah, tear it down. You know, tear it down. They they did that in Tulsa. You know what I'm saying? You know the the white people came into the city and everything that that we that Black Americans built was torn to pieces. I look at it like this. I had one of the worst experiences in my whole life when I was I was a tow truck driver. I was driving for a repossession company. And they sent me to do, and, and they and they knew what they was doing. I I know for a fact my company that I was working for was trying to mess with me. They put an address on my run that it was literally a Confederate flag hanging off this long porch, and I'm they wanted me to go do a door knock there, and I had to just call that one in because at the end of the day, I feel like why they think it's funny, me. I'm fearing for my life. Like, I'll knock on this door, and I'm here to tell you we got an order out for your car. And I'm black, and you see that flag knowing that they don't really deal with black people. Right. I have not, in my whole life, seen no black person raise that flag in pride nowhere, other than a Dave Chappelle sketch, and we already know which one. Right. And, right. and even that was meant as comedy. We had to come to a point in, in knowing that that flag for black people is a symbol. It's just as bad as if somebody put a swastika up in front of a Jewish person. Right. You know, and, 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 and it wasn't just Jews that Hitler didn't like. He didn't like Africans. He didn't like nobody that wasn't European. Right. So, which is weird that he signed alliances with the Japanese and the Italians because they're not, you know, they've always been considered less than in their histories, but you got to look at it like this. My man Jalen Rose said the most perfect thing ever when he said, I wish white people would love black people the same way that they love black culture. It gets cherry picked. Oh it's goodness. like they think that we just here to be entertainment. They oh buy all God. the music in the world, 
But when it comes to actually supporting a black business, when it actually comes to supporting anything black owned, when we look in the music industry, these record labels make 90% of the money we make. When we look at the sports, these owners pull in 90% of the revenue. When we're looking at almost anything that we do in business, there's always somebody white at the top. Yep. And the moment we put somebody black in the top, we question it, it's suspect. You just look, if we look for, we're looking for a mechanic, half the time we're looking at somebody white because when we go to a black shop, people have a stereotype. And that's my whole issue of, they, people love black culture, they love black music and everything else, but they hate black, they don't want to be in a black neighborhood. They don't want to be where, they don't want to shop in the same stores, they don't want to live in the same houses, they don't want to drive the same cars. Right, it's like, okay, I was, I put a post to this um, one day on, on my page, but I was talking about how, you know, you can have a group of white people walking down the street and they see a group of black people, men and women, just sitting there talking. And the first thing they think is, okay, they're up to no good. So they they about to cause some trouble. They'll turn around and walk the other way or even cross the street just to get away from them. You know what I'm saying? You see that happen so many times. But then when they walk across the street and they get in their car, what comes on? Tupac. <laughs> it's just, it's like, it doesn't make it make sense. That's my thing. If You don't make it make sense. You can't. You can't, I, how do you listen to Tupac and everything Tupac stood for? Because, first of all, he was the first to talk about injustice. I mean, he always talked about it. So, how you blasting that and you down, down with the struggle, but you're afraid, you don't even like having conversations, you know, that are too deep with black people. So, I, I, make it make sense. That's my thing. That's, that's my thing of 2020. Make it make sense. And I think to a degree it never really makes sense. You know, me, I would love to ghostwrite country music. It's <laughs> plain and simple. Just, you would never know I wrote it. Have a nice, you know, white artist singing it, you know, with a little country, you know, little swing to him or whatever. But you would never know I wrote the song. You would never know I made it up. But the checks would just come to me, you know. But that's one of those things where, you know, we have to get beyond, you know, we have to understand that symbolism means everything in this country. You know, we got politicians that have been dog whistling racism and they've been emboldened oh more than ever. Right. We had a situation in Ohio where a senator had to step down for being ignorant. And, you know, my whole thing is, do I, you know, it's like watching black people at a Trump rally. I'm not here to tell them they're wrong. You can do what you want to do. But I can sit here and just say, hey, I disagree with this man's stance on a lot of things that he says. You know, and that's just, you know, and I don't like to get political on stuff because, you know, my job and I work with a lot of white people that live in places where they vote for him. But at the end of the day, I just, you know, when this situation in 2016 went down where he got elected and the whole Callan Kaepernick stuff went down. Now we're looking at Callan Kaepernick as if he was some kind of a prophet. No, because this was going on then. You know, for every name of black people that we know, the stuff was happening on, there's a hundred names of people that we don't know. 
that family has lost them, that are in lawsuits, that are, you know, that justice is still not happening. Brianna Taylor, Brianna Taylor's killer is still on payroll, still cashing checks from the state. And and no one has even checked into the situation, not even investigating it. And and what they are, they get four blank pages of nothing. You know, so yes, their changes need to be made. And I agree with everything that's going on and it starts with us coming together. I'm not saying as far as we should defund the police or anything of that nature because at the end of the day, when you're at your worst time in your life, the police are going to be there. Someone comes to you, breaks into your house, does anything silly, the police are going to be there and they're going to help, you know, they're going to help in any way that they can. So... I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is we just need a new group of law enforcers. They need to have some kind of a national registry for law enforcers that are going, that have a racist history, that have have a history of brutality. They need to have some kind of national way of saying that this guy is bad. This guy did this in Memphis or New York, then he shouldn't just be able to go to Miami or Chicago and get a job. You know, we need to stop that. You can't be a nurse or a police officer or a doctor or an EMT and you have a history of being racist. And you have a Facebook account where you're being racist. And people can see that. And then you're a doctor and you're sitting on a medical board. Or you're sitting on a CEO, you're sitting on a, um, a board of company, a board of directors somewhere where you make decisions that affect brown and black people. So with that, um, we're just going to go ahead and let it go. I'd like to thank our friend here, Shelly, for joining us tonight. And no we'll try to get this posted for us in the mid. We'll try to get this posted for you by Sunday. Um, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, please share them back and hit us up on Facebook, Instagram. We're all there. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and you guys have a great night.